Good morning, everyone. Always a privilege to be with you this morning, and uh, thanks for those who've been praying for our family. Fiona can still use your prayers. She's been gone now what started as a three-week visit to her parents down south, ended up being a two-month stay, um, helping them uh, just in their stage in life and trying to get them into a good and stable place. So I haven't burnt the farm down yet, so all is well. And uh, I am alive, though many are surprised when they see me to see that I have not uh, succumbed to malnutrition or anything else. So, um, And I'm not even lonely because I have a lot of cows to keep me company. So all has been well. But uh, good to be with you and uh, privileged to have the opportunity once again to open God's Word this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6 and the first few verses in what's probably going to be a familiar story to uh, many. And as we open again, often I'm reminded, uh, never needing, as I've said to you often before, it's not about finding something new, but always being reminded of what's true and being reminded of what's important for us to know and live today. And so as we open this story, uh, and uh, again, the word that God's preserved for us, uh, I trust that He will open our hearts and minds and just uh, put His finger on our hearts in those areas where this morning uh, we, we need to hear His voice. I'm going to read the first few verses and then we're going to stop there and gain some context. And as always, look to try and uh, see what Jesus was doing because Jesus never did anything without purpose. There were no uh, accidents, no surprises, but whenever he did something, and I love the Gospel of John because it alone has a word in, in the original language uh, translated attesting miracles. That these miracles that Jesus were doing were not just wonders, not just amazing events, but they were things specifically to attest that He was the Christ, the Son of God, the one they all had been waiting for, the Messiah. And often I feel that when we interact with the Messiah, He doesn't want us just to take in, but there's a response. And this morning, we're going to see that as Jesus interacts and again begins to perform signs and wonders, that those wonders were not meant to fulfill a need in the moment. Because God was never concerned, uh, though yes, interested in fulfilling that physical need, always more important was the spiritual need in the people He was serving. And so that's what we want to look for this morning. John chapter 6 and verse 1 says this, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed Him because they saw the signs Again, attesting miracles, which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus was lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd uh, was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And John 6 verse 6 says this, this he was saying to test them, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. I'm going to stop there, because as we note, here a large crowd comes. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, 
Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And he said it in order to test them. Now, quite specifically, we know that when you have a test, a test always follows something you already know. A test is to check if you have actually digested something you learned. And Jesus was not just going to fulfill the hunger of a large crowd of people. Rather, he was going to use this need to check something, and that was to see if Philip and the others had actually understood something. He said it to test them. Now, what was he testing? Well, in order to, to discover that, we need to actually look and look at what was happening preceding the test. What was being learned? We actually find this in Mark chapter 6. And in Mark 6, we're going to read what was going on just before the events in John 6 when the crowd began to come and Jesus asked, where are we going to get the bread to feed them? Listen to this, Mark 6 and verse 7. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And He instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he added, do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off your soles of your feet for a testimony against them. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Now Mark 6 actually uh, takes a few verses and deviates talking about King Herod and how he was hearing about Jesus and how the people were saying, is this Elijah or is this John raised from the dead and and some of the confusion about but I want you to listen to Mark 6 and verse 30 in which in which the the disciples now called apostles for the first time come back it says this in Mark 6 verse 30 the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught and he said to them come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while for there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat and they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves this is the 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 foreshadowing of John 6 in which the crowds saw them leave and, and began to follow and found where they were and began to come to them but listen Here, the disciples gathered to Jesus and in doing so, He sent them out. And did you notice how He sent them? I want you to go out. I don't want you to take anything extra except a mere staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. And I don't even want you to take an extra jacket. I want you to go and I'm going to give you authority over demons and sickness and I'm sending you out. And listen, anywhere you go, stay there. Don't make hotel reservations. 
When you enter a home, stay there. If they don't receive you, shake the dust off your sandals, give them a little kick, right? Testimony against them and move on. Here's what's amazing. Jesus had just sent them out. And I love that it says in Mark 6 verse 30, the apostles gathered with Jesus afterwards. You see, a disciple is a follower. An apostle is a sent one. One sent with a message in the authority of the one who sent them. And for the first time, they had been, as disciples, sent out to do amazing things. Heal, cast out, share, preach repentance. And in doing so, Jesus was doing something amazing here. Listen, I'm going to send you out, but when you go, don't take money, don't take clothing, don't take a jacket, don't make reservations, go. And I love the fact that after they went, they cast out many demons, they healed many sick, they told many to repent, they gathered to Jesus and told them all that they had done, Mark 6 verse 30. And wouldn't you think at this moment, after a successful mission trip, having preached to many, having healed many, you'd say, this is amazing. Let's go for more. Here's Jesus. No, let's retreat. Time to go spend some time on our own. Let's go to a desolate place. Let's go to a secluded place. You and I. Well, it's here that the crowd follows and as they come, now Jesus turns and says, hey, listen, they're hungry. Get them something to eat. In Mark, it tells us in chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, He saw the large crowd. He felt compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. And it was already quite late. His disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it's getting late. You see, he took them away. The crowds came. And now Jesus says, you give them something to eat. But here's the key. What did we just read? He said it in order to what? Test them. What was he testing? What was he testing? Here's what he's testing. What did he just sent them to do? Hey, listen, I want you to go out. Don't bring any money. Don't bring extra clothes. Don't bring a jacket. Don't make hotel reservations. And don't bring any food. Go. I've got you. I've equipped you. You're going to preach. You're going to heal. You're going to save. And now, here they come in John 6. And the question this morning is this, what's changed? What's changed? Nothing has changed except for the circumstances. Except for the number of people needing food. God's the same. The one who equipped them has never left them. 
And yet now in this moment, he says to them to test them for he knew what he was doing. You, you where are we going to buy bread? Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii, John 6 verse 7, worth of bread is not sufficient for everyone to receive even a little. He goes on and says this, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, He distributed to those who were seated likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, He said to His disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. You know what I love? Is that at that moment, as they began to gather fragments, the 12 disciples, how many baskets were full? 12 full for every one of them to stare at at the end and go, shoot. Shoot. Why? Because Jesus was only reminding them of something they already knew. What was that? He was enough. He had already proven that He could provide shelter when they needed shelter. He already had proved that He could provide funding when they needed funds. He had already proved that He could provide power to do what God had called them to do. He had shown it to them moments before and they had just gotten back Jesus you won't believe it guess what we've all done have you ever been there coming back excited I remember times in which we led students on mission trips to Mexico and while we were in Mexico another group had gone to do inner city evangelism in Seattle and while they were there another group had 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 gone on and and done something over here and another group and we had all come back after a spring break filled with activity and and here was the excitement you'll never guess what god did you'll never guess we were at an orphanage and and the list would go on. And, and, and the other group would go, you'll never guess what God did. We were speaking with prostitutes on the street and, and it would go on. And we were so excited to share our experience of God at work. And this is the picture. They've just come back to tell Jesus all that's happened. And now they retreat to a desolate place and the next moment, they're asked to, to simply walk in the reality of what they already know. They doubt. Where are we going to go to get food now? What's changed? Nothing's changed except the circumstances. The same God who provided that for them was ready to provide for them now. The same God who satisfied their hunger was able to above and beyond satisfy 
the hungry now. And yet, somehow, these circumstances seem so much bigger. The God who was with me then seems different than the God who's with me now. Do you see what I'm saying? And yet, it's not true. He said it in order to test them. You see, interestingly enough, as we go through the Scripture, though I long, as I've told you before, that that life would get easier, Accept Jesus in your heart and all will go well. The road will straighten. The the potholes will be filled. And on we roll. When the reality is, the road does not get easier. Often it gets harder. I think back to the people of Israel. And you think of them leaving Egypt. And at the onset, as they watched the miracles of God and finally the angel of death pass over, as they were sent out of the land of Egypt, slaves now free. Initially, it took faith to paint blood on a doorpost and leave when Pharaoh let them go. That was faith. But that faith, would be stretched when they didn't just paint blood on a doorpost and flee Egypt. Now, they had an army chasing them down. Now, it wasn't just faith to walk away. It was faith to run away from an enemy after them. Oh, it didn't stop there because whatever faith that took as they watched God's pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night stand between them, now they would turn and walk through an open sea, fleeing their enemies behind them. You see, first they would run from them. Now they're being called to advance despite them. And the moment those seas closed and washed it all away, you'd think, now, we, now we're going. Oh no. First, called to run from them, now to advance despite them. And lastly, now God would say, hey, by the way, as you journey towards that promised land, there's going to be a few people in our way. And some of them might be giants. Oh, by the way, I I know you walked away from them. I know you advanced despite them. Now I'm going to have to ask you to advance into the middle of them. See, God had this increasing ability to drive them never to be satisfied in what worked yesterday, but have faith in the God who was holding them today. Looking back, as I've probably shared with you before, but I need to be reminded again and again, looking back should always equip us for what's ahead. As we look back at all that God's been and done, it should only equip us more for where we're going. Because as those disciples look back at those 12 baskets full in their faces, all that should have ring clear was, shoot. Jesus fed me then. Why would I have doubted He'd feed me now? 
Jesus empowered me then. What made me think He wouldn't empower me now? Jesus supplied strength then. What doubt has grown in two days that I would think He couldn't strengthen me now? You see, as I look back, I can see God's faithfulness. And all I need to do now is apply what I know to be true of Him to what's coming forward at me today. I think of David again, familiar. 1 Samuel 17. Remember when, when Saul said to him, you are too young to fight a giant. And David said, in my youth, God saved me from both the paw of the lion and the bear. And this God will too save me from this giant. Remembering the last victories gained confidence, not in himself, but in the God who strengthened him for the battle ahead. And so this morning I ask, what am I forgetting? Because like the disciples, often it can be a mere 24 hours <laughs> for me to forget what I need most. Those Israelites that we just spoke of, God writes it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Listen, He says, listen, all that the commandments that I'm commanding you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. He goes on in Deuteronomy 8, verse 5, says, Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God is with you and disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. I humbled you and let you grow hungry and fed you that you might know that man does not live by bread alone. You see, today, today's testing may well be preparing me for tomorrow's trial. Today's testing may well be shining and showing God's incredible faithfulness in this circumstance, so that in the midst of tomorrow's circumstance, I might stand strong. Because we know this, He will never leave nor forsake. More than we ask or imagine, He is there. Yet so often, I forget. Today's a great opportunity and on a day when we're spending time after this meeting in another meeting talking about what God is doing, where God is taking us. What a great privilege to be able to look back at God's faithfulness 
that we might then turn and in the season ahead, apply everything we know, everything we've seen to where God is taking us. And that's what it's about. That together we might follow Him and know all that He is. Not what He might be, not what He can be, but walking in the reality of what we know He will be. Faithful. John 6 is a great reminder of this. Today, He's filling our needs, but more important than the hunger of the moment, than the healing of this illness, this ailment, the smoothing out of this bumpy road that I'm on, is the point and place where you and I come to know that man does not live on bread alone, but on that which proceeds from the hand of God. Today, He has each and every one of us in His hand. The challenge is to remember that as we go out these doors. Take time if you can this week and look back at your life and remember how God has provided. I don't see many here naked, so obviously clothing has been a provision thus far. (laughs) We all may have varying uh, amounts in our bank accounts. We may all have varying... Uh, amounts that we feel like we've been provided, whether it be financially, emotionally, um, relationally, in all of these things. The reality, as we look back, see what God has done, and know that as your circumstances continue to change daily, whether it's one, five thousand, or as my friend often says, They always counted the men. It probably would have been more like 10,000. And he says, if those were homeschool families, that would have been 60,000 for sure. Listen, circumstances will change. The number of mouths to feed might. God never will. Faithful through and through. Our challenge to walk in the reality of it. Let's pray. God, thank You that today we are privileged to be able to come before You and open Your Word and see that You do not just allow us to walk, do things for You, but You did not want these disciples, now becoming apostles, to settle for anything less than what came from You. And empowering a provision, a way of life, an experience, not knowing about God, but walking with God in everything, seeing Your hand at work. May we be those who do not just talk about it, but live it as we go out these doors, knowing that You are enough for whatever we face. Whether it's the conversation with the person we long to know You, the conflicts relationally, at work, in relationship, in friendships, raising children, um, longings that we see unfulfilled. We know that You are in the midst of them and at work. May we never fall to that place where it seems Your hand is too short. God, thank You that today You continually move us, test us, mold us, shape us, that we might walk 
and not know about you, but abide in you today. And I thank you for this body and the time to come in which we can talk about what you've been doing and where you're taking us in the season ahead as a body. And knowing that you'll continue to be faithful as you have been faithful as we follow you. Thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.